Wow, Stu, I mean, I don't know how we do this show every day. I mean, it gets better and better every day, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it really does. Yeah. Uh, that's... Oh, no, wait, it's... Not, no, I was talking worse. about another podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, sorry. that's right. Yeah. This one is, you know... Anyway, we're glad you're here. It is a really good show today. We covered a lot of things. We had Stephen Moore on today. Uh, fascinating and strangely very funny look yeah. at what is uh, happening to our country. It's the only way you can deal with this right now. You just <laughs> need to laugh at it. It really is. Very important and, again, shocking monkeypox update. Yeah, stunning. I was uh, stunned by this one. Yeah. Uh, and Also, we talked to a guy who was in Antifa. Yeah. Well, I mean, not currently. He Current. was. That's why what the use was means yeah. formerly. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. That's that's what the word Thank actually you. means. Thank you. You didn't word seem doctor. to understand that. I'm a doctor, now that you're man. telling me that is Are obvious. Are you a doctor? Are you a doctor? I'm not a doctor. I am a doctor from a highly respected university. And you're in the Radio Hall of Fame, which Thank is something you. we investigate early <laughs> in the program today. I was a little sleepy. <laughs> a little sleepy. Uh, today is a great podcast. You don't want to miss a second. Uh, Bill Barb is our sponsor summer summer is here and it's about to go into fall so we can hide our fat again right that's what i miss Mm -hmm. i miss those we wear sweaters and everything like no it's just a really fluffy sweater glenn it looks like you just took a uh, sharpie and drew sweater outlines on your body no really thick (laughs) anyway um you want to uh, stay in shape you want to eat right Built Bar is the snack that is the best. You can you can have a snack wherever you go. My wife keeps them in her purse, so it's always great to be with her. I'm like, snack time, isn't it? Isn't it snack time, Mommy? Uh, Built Bars have about 130 calories. They're real 100% chocolate. They have 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs. If you're eating healthy, these are really great protein bars. But they're like candy bars. They really are. Built.com. Use the promo code BEC15. Get 10% off your order right now. Use the promo code BEC15. It's Built.com. Here's a podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. Blaze.com. Smith and Wesson President CEO Mark Smith has issued a statement in which he said that politicians who have denigrated the gun manufacturer have actually contributed to the nation's crime problem due to the policies they support. <laughs> That's crazy. Oh, wait a minute. I'm on the wrong story. I'm sorry. We're on a monkey pox. I was just enjoying the music there for a second. <laughs> I was going to say, I go. thought the monkey pox update was a little different than if that. If you wouldn't have looked at me with that face that you just made, <laughs> I would have had no, I would have continued to gone and did the Smith and Wesson thing and said, there's your monkey pox update. I mean, can, can we get him in the Hall of Fame for a second time? Oh Is that gosh. possible? I am so tired. Oh, and geez. there you have it. Another example of why Glenn Beck is in the Radio Hall of Give Fame. Give me the monkey pox update music. <laughs> Sex between men. There we go. Not skin contact Uh-oh. is fueling monkeypox. Oh no! This, is according to NBC News, and quote new research. Mm. Since the outset of the global monkeypox outbreak in May, public health and infectious disease experts have told the public that the virus is largely transmitting through skin-to-skin contact, in particular during sex between men. Now, however, 
an expanding cadre of experts have come to believe, have come to believe that sex between men itself is likely the main driver of the global monkeypox transmission. No. Yes. I, I won't hear it. Now, I don't know how they're differentiating here because <laughs> I think sex requires some skin to skin contact. Usually does. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean unless I'm unless they're doing it differently than I am. I, it, well, I believe they are in this particular case. Good point. Boy, I'm too tired to do this show today. <laughs> Very good point. A growing body of scientific evidence mm. follow the science, including a trio of studies published in peer-reviewed journals, so you know you can trust it, as well as reports from national, regional, and global health authorities. Well, now you got me. This is absolutely true. Has suggested that experts may have framed monkeypox typical transmission route precisely backward. <laughs> But other than that, they're nailing yet another pandemic in action. But why did they? Why did? Why was this backward? We all know why was this backward? Oh, PC, right? They, exactly right. They didn't they, want to say that it that could they, come from sex, mm-hmm. actual sex, and part of it you can understand because you didn't want to do that with HIV because HIV. Remember, it became a gay thing, and it wasn't a gay thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you could get it through, you know, it's blood, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they didn't want to make monkeypox a gay thing. Well, that and they also wanted to be politically correct. I mean, if they didn't want to make it a gay thing, they should have also said, just said, you know what? But it's happening in the homosexual community by large, by and large. And so you should just avoid, you know, the orgies and the bath yeah. spas and stuff like that but they didn't do it and it wasn't even just the the uh lgbtqqia2 plus concerns here it was also just they couldn't even say how about just stop some promiscuous sex for a while till this it's goes it. away they couldn't even say that just just be with a monogamous partner yeah. you want to have protect you know, yourself and and don't yes, do it for now they didn't do it no so what a surprise those who tell us to follow the science didn't follow the science and got it precisely quote backwards <laughs> which shocking i'm not gonna i've got another monkey pox update well we still have the theme we do we yeah, have it's a still theme available. for it yeah the monkey pox theme is still available we're we can play it as many times as we want <laughs> should we save it or should we do it now it's another you're right Stu. I mean, this is science, it's man. People this are is... suffering. No. You know, we've got to get yeah. the facts out. Right. Now, I'm... <laughs> this is such a stupid show. It is. Don't worry, the world's burning down, but we're doing this. Uh, <laughs> I just love the... Because I know this has happened to me several times. You're walking down the aisle of a grocery store, and you're just saying, monkeypox, and you just... Monkeypox. How weird must that look to a, to a passerby? <laughs> Okay, so um, in a completely unrelated story to the last monkeypox update, gerbils, <laughs> I'm not making this up, gerbils and hamsters may have to be put down no. in order to control the spread of monkeypox. Oh, no. Now, it's not everybody's gerbil. 
It is just the gerbils that are found in the houses of people with monkeypox. Oh. Okay. Sometimes truth is stranger than fiction. Sometimes... Truth is uncomfortable. And sometimes more detail of a news story is not necessary. (laughs) (laughs) Swear to you, that is an actual news story today. All right. May I I now do the story on Smith & Wesson? Yeah. Smith & Wesson president, CEO Mark Smith, issued a statement in which he said that politicians have denigrated the uh, the uh, gun manufacturers and they have actually contributed to the nation's crime problem due to the policies that they support. Now, I find this absolutely outrageous, Stu. There's no way, no way that they have played any role whatsoever in any of this. Right? Right. A number of quoting a number of politicians and their lobbying partners in the media have recently sought to disparage Smith and Wesson. Did you hear what he just wrote? A number of politicians and their lobbying partners in the media have recently sought to disparage Smith and Wesson. Some have had the audacity to suggest that after they have vilified, undermined, and defunded law enforcement for years, supported prosecutors who refused to hold criminals accountable for their actions, overseen the decay of our country's mental health infrastructure, and generally promoted a culture of lawlessness, that Smith & Wesson and other firearm manufacturers are somehow responsible for the crime wave that has been predictably, uh, that has predictably resulted from these destructive policies. What a bastard. What a lying, conniving, evil capitalist. But they are the ones to blame for the surge in violence and lawlessness, and they seek to avoid any responsibility for the crisis of violence that they have created by attempting to shift blame to Smith & Wesson uh, and other firearm manufacturers and law-abiding gun owners. Man, well, he's about to get it. I'll tell you when I hear the response from the politicians, it's I bet it's going to be big. Many politicians remain staunch advocates for gun control. Last month, the U.S. House of Representatives passed the assault weapons ban of 2022, though the bill probably not going to make it through the Senate. While the term gun violence has become a commonplace expression, guns do not commit the crimes. To be clear, a Smith & Wesson firearm, says the CEO, has never broken into a home. A Smith & Wesson firearm has never assaulted a woman out for a late-night run in the city. A Smith & Wesson firearm has never carjacked an unsuspecting driver stopped at a traffic light. But I will tell you right now, if I am ever pulled over on the side of the road by a Smith & Wesson weapon, and it demands my car, <laughs> I think I'm going to happily give it to I would like a selfie with that gun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, maybe using its cell phone. Instead, Smith & Wesson provides citizens with the means to protect themselves and their families. We will never back down in our defense of the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment of the Constitution states a well-regulated militia 
being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Now, I personally like his response. Uh, You know, but sometimes I just can't see common sense. So now let's look at what the politicians are saying. The Oversight Committee Chair, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney from New York, pushed back on his remarks in a statement to MSNBC, I'm sorry, to CNBC. She said, the CEO of Smith & Wesson refused to testify before my committee and face the families who have lost loved ones because of his company's weapons of war. The committee will not permit Smith & Wesson to dodge accountability or to obscure the gun industry's role in all of this violence. They're not going to do it, Stu. A number of politicians... uh, No, wait, wait, wait. Um, She said... um, why Why is everything going wrong on me today? The Oversight Committee has been investigating America's firearm industry. According to the panel, major gun manufacturers, including Smith & Wesson, have made over a billion dollars in the last decade selling military-style weapons. Okay. She goes on, and she says, as the world watches, the families of Parkland victims relive their trauma through a shooter's trial. It is unconscionable that Smith & Wesson is still refusing to take responsibility for selling the assault weapons used to massacre Americans. She says that his statement shows how afraid they really are. Okay, I got a couple of things. First of all, I don't think they deny selling the weapons, or I should say, producing the weapons that were sold to people who then use them incorrectly. I'm not going to sue the lawnmower people if somebody comes at me with a lawnmower and they're holding it up like it's a fan and just shred me like baloney, Maloney. I'm not going to shoot. I can't believe the lawnmower industry will not. Why are chainsaws still available? When we've got this Jason guy out with a chainsaw. Why? I don't know. Jason's crazy. It's not the chainsaw's fault. I believe it's uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre who would be, they'd be killing with the chainsaws. Jason would, that's not really his, his shtick as much. What's the other guy's name? Michael Myers? Yeah, Mike Myers. I think the you, chains- want, you want Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's the... No, Le- Leatherface no. would be the Leatherface used a train chainsaw, but I'm pretty sure Jason or Mike Myers also used one at some time. It may not have been chronicled in the okay. documentaries. <laughs> it was a that cannon. You are yes. <laughs> okay, shut up, Stu. I'm fighting for my life here today. <sighs> okay, so I'm not going to blame the lawnmower company mm-hmm. or a chainsaw company for some thing that did or didn't happen in a movie. You don't blame the gun. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck Program. Gabriel, I am so excited to have you on the program. He is the author of Behind the Black Mask. 
and he is the national director of the Western region of Our America. Hello, Gabriel. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. You bet. So um, I would imagine there was a time in your uh, life, uh, probably fairly recently, that the last person you would have thought uh, you would be talking to is me. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, especially because I've been a conservative activist for quite a little bit now, but I never expected to really speak out about my story until 2019 when my friend got beat up at Berkeley. Uh, he's the one who President Trump invited at CPAC back in 2019. And, you know, I was his, uh, we're best friends. And I started realizing just how horrible campus violence was getting or just leftist violence in, in general. And I decided that I really needed to speak out about my experience with anarchists and the Antifa movement. So I've been doing that for about three years now. Well, thank you for that. Um, so tell me, tell me about your life in the movement and what your pivot point was. Sure. So this is actually a ways back. A lot of people don't realize that Antifa is a lot older than, than people think. Yeah, it started in the 30s. Uh, Maybe yeah, in the, in the 30s. So yeah. th- I, I first got involved in like punk music because uh, there's a huge connection in the 1980s and 90s with Antifa and the anarchist uh, punk music. Mm-hmm. So in 2011, I was into that and I just went to a protest. I just went because I wanted to be involved. And somebody in the black mask, you know, came up to me and he asked me if I wanted to join him and his friends. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And for about a year and a half, I was participating in direct action. I was part of the Occupy protest in, in Los Angeles, the animal mm. rights demonstrations, all of that for, from 2011 to 2012. And, you know, we just, it was all about creating havoc to really oppose the American system that we thought was the most fascist system out there. And uh, what was the pivot point with you? What was the point where you went, wow, I, I, I shouldn't be here? You know, it's actually kind of interesting because there's never been one point where I say like, wow, you guys are bad. It was a slow transition, but I also think that it was inevitable because I'm a very curious person. Mm-hmm. I'm always, I always want to hear what the other has, has to say. And, you know, at the time I was a leftist. So I started reading about Milton Friedman and Thomas Sowell. Well, mm-hmm. these are great authors, but at the time I didn't like them, but I found them interesting enough that I wanted to grab their ideas, talked about them with my friends. And well, guess what? Just for asking questions about these ideas, that was the very first time I was called a capitalist pig. And it just made me realize that some of these people didn't even care about, like, the actual ideologies. They just wanted to promote this propaganda of, like, us versus them, like the fascist system. We're the liberators. But they're just full of themselves because they don't really or they're not really looking to build a better society. They're just really looking for control. And slowly and surely, I started reading learning more about conservative movements, and then I slowly became conservative. Um, and, you know, to this day, I'm still very much the same person. That's how, why I have that bachelor's degree in social justice essentials, because I still want to learn what the other guy says. But you. let me tell you, the more I learn about leftist ideology, the more it makes me realize just how wrong they are and just how much I love America. This is a remarkable turn in, in, in an individual. First of all, have you ever had the chance to meet uh, Daniel Horowitz or uh, no, um, David Horowitz? David Horowitz, I have not. Have you read any of his I, books? Yeah, I read a few different books. Okay. And I'll tell you this. I didn't meet him while I was in the movement, but somebody in, in Antifa who also left, he's in his 40s now, uh, about 20 years before I was involved, he was involved. And he told me that one of his first protests was to protest David Horowitz and free speech. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. We had great conversations about like the similarities and differences of uh, our eras in the movement. Yeah. Well, you are, uh, I mean, you remind me of him. He, he, he did exactly the same thing. He was all for it until we withdrew from Vietnam and everything that the uh, right was saying would happen if you leave a power vacuum happened. And he said he realized none of his friends or, you know, comrades actually cared about the people. He was like, but wait, 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 we, we were wrong on this part of it. And he said they didn't care. And that spun his head because he really did care. Yeah. And I mean, that tends to be the case with a lot of this these uh, far left movements, they pretend to care. They have all the right slogans. And if you ask them about whatever issue, they'll tell you how much they deeply care. But once the issue has been resolved or we're working towards a solution, all of a sudden that's not enough. They're doing it wrong. It's because it's still under the, 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 the capitalist system and the capitalism itself is horrible. They'll just make up a lot. They'll keep moving the goalposts time and time again, because again, all they want is just control of your life and control of everyone. So, so tell me how much... <clears throat> How much of the movement uh, is was like you where I mean, it sounds like you kind of joined because you wanted to belong to something uh, and you kind of got you kind of got wrapped up into it. And it it taught you um, the hatred and the problems, Um, but you really weren't. It doesn't sound to me like you were really rooted in it. Um, Do I have that accurate? Well, in part, because uh, Antifa didn't teach me to hate America. I, I got to say, like, growing up in in K-12 system, public education, it really preconditioned me to hate America before I even got involved with the, the anarchist wow. groups. Because they were, let me just tell you, there was a biology teacher in my middle school who would love to yell at the top of his lungs about not biology, but about atheism. And one day, I remember he was yelling about how how proud he was of his sons for being race atheists. And of course, people who don't, who believe in God are freaking sorry about this. They, he said stupid. And I was like, yeah. dude, that's our parents. And of course I'm a seventh grader. Uh, I'm not going to speak it back to him. I was just kind of like, okay, I guess I mm. should just kind of keep my mouth shut. You know, those are the kind of things, the, the, the kind of teachers that really turned me into hating America because I was indoctrinated into believing that everything that my parents taught me, everything that society is telling me is good is not because you have these ultra leftist teachers who think that their job is to tell students what to think, not how to think. So uh, have you met, have you read much Martin Luther King? Um, I've read one of his books and a few different of his speeches. Okay. Um, I can't can't remember the the book. Um, So Martin Luther King talks a lot about reconciliation. He he makes a very big point to say, we cannot look to win because that implies a loser. And you can't leave half the country or a third of the country behind feeling like a loser. Um, Mm -hmm. We have to reconcile. Now, I believe there are people that will never change, and I can't reconcile with somebody who really believes burn the entire country down and America is horrible and the Constitution and everything else. I, I, I don't know how to reconcile with that person, and I don't think we can. However, there are people that are like you, I think, that if we could find a way to actually have a conversation that we would... Uh, we we could reconcile, not with everybody, with some. Is, well, you know, 
the exciting part is what I'm doing right now. I'm working for an organization called Our America. People should check it out. It's at joinouramerica.org. And our job is specifically to do that. We're not talking about conservative or liberal issues. We're talking about American issues. Mm -hmm. We really want to bring people from the left and the right together. We don't care, again, if you're from the left or right, as long as you're pro-American. And our research shows that the vast majority of Americans believe in America. I mean, they think America is great. They think that America is uh, the greatest country on earth. We're talking about 70, 80, 90% of the issues people agree with them. The problem is that you have a tiny minority of radicals that have infiltrated legacy media and a lot of something mainstream uh, issues, and they pretend that they're the majority, but they're not. Every time you hear partisan or ultra-partisan or uh, issues that divide people, look at the research. It shows that only about 10 to 15, maybe 25% of people support it. One of the best issues, I think, is um, defund the police. A few years ago, 2020, you would think that the entire Democratic Party and basically the majority of the country believed in defunding the police. But again, research shows 20-some percent of people actually support uh, defunding the police. And something like 70-some percent of black Americans want Mm -hmm. more police officers in their neighborhoods. So that's what we're talking about our America. It's about bringing issues to uh, people together. How do we... How can we do this in our own lives? And if this is true, that we actually agree on things, what are we as people missing to be able to connect with our neighbors? Because they seem to still be voting when the when it's clear what's happening on the left is a hostile takeover of the Democratic Party, um, an infiltration. And they have just it is a leftist operation now it is not the democratic party it's a leftist operation that is going for things that i think average americans are against but yet they don't seem to disconnect from it what am i missing well well you know that's the challenge because some of these issues they paint this dichotomy of like you're either a good person when you're with us or you're a horrible person evil person if you're not and a lot of people say well i'm not an evil person so i must be with you guys so first of all we have to call out that rhetoric because you know sunlight is the best disinfectant we really need to call that out but not not just call it out we also have to actively build a community that is pro-american and again that's what our america is trying to do really build communities at the ground level and to really call out a lot of that uh, that uh, toxic rhetoric and just promote great american values at the ground level it's not a project that's going to be done in like one two not yeah. even like five years right. it's going to take some work but we're confident that we really are able to show the greatness that is america gaber wrote a book i think it was released about 2020 it's called behind the black mask um, he is part of an organization called Our America, uh, and he was uh, very anti-American growing up and part of radical action uh, with Antifa. Uh, he's uh, joining us now. So, Gabriel, what is the what was the thing that's the first thing that you said? You know, America is kind of a good place. You know, one of the things that I love about this country is that ideal of freedom of speech. The idea that we can have heated discussions, arguments even, and then we can go home and say, yeah, I mean, we can disagree, and that's perfectly fine. You know, I found many people in, uh, that were not in radical politics that were like that, especially in college, surprisingly. I met a lot of conservatives who I argued with, and, you know, at the end of the day, we were friends. We would just go out to this diner around the, the corner from, right. 
from the college, you know, and I love that idea because it was about that community that people really wanted to work together. We just have to walk past or get past that toxicity that that tiny minority radicals like to promote. But that the, idea of community. But the idea of Antifa and the left is um, to silence speech because speech is dangerous, you know, uh, and uh, and you're a fascist if you say the wrong things. So how do you how do you approach that with somebody who is, you know, on the radical side of things? Well, you know, I've had a lot of experience uh, talking and arguing with some of these leftists, and a lot of times they don't even know what they're saying. I'll, I'll say that flat out. There is some people who are very well read, but then they extrapolate little snippets of information from some, uh, some very interesting authors, and they'll just use it as a, a tagline. So one of the things that I often do is I actually ask them questions. I get them beyond the point of like that, uh, like capitalism bad. Like, okay, what do you mean by that? What's capitalism? You know, and when you get into the niche of things, all of a sudden you realize that there's a lot of contradictions. I mean, that's where my degree in social justice comes in, into place. Yeah. Because um, one of the things that I've noticed is, for example, I tend not to use the word capitalism anymore because it was created by Marx. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also, when people talk about uh, capitalism, you know, being, say, for example, like the uh, the responsible for slavery, I'm like, no, it wasn't. Capital modern capitalism was founded in 1776. The Dutch company was actually part of mercantilism, which is the precursor that capitalism came to abolish. Uh, if you look at the 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 the, the people who founded capitalism, like. Um, I'm uh, forgetting this author. The, uh, the, Adam the Smith. Hand. Yeah, Adam Smith. Adam Smith, he actually wrote in his book that founded capitalism how uh, slavery was immoral and unprofitable. So, in fact, capitalism was a key factor to abolishing slavery. You know, like those, when you get into the nitty gritty of these issues and you ask them questions, they don't really have answers to many of these questions. I, uh, Gabriel, uh, you are one of my favorite people. I love people who are <laughs> intellectually, they like the challenge, uh, and it leads them to sometimes uncomfortable or um, surprising decisions in their life. I, I would love to have you uh, join me for a podcast because I'd love to spend some you know, more time with you and, sure. and talk about it. What, by the way, just what do you call capitalism now instead? Free oh, market? I just talk about the free market, free market, free market or equal opportunity, because, you know, that's what that's what, OK, quote unquote, capitalism is about, about the idea that everyone has the equal opportunity to make the name for themselves. Gabriel Nandales, thank you so much, sir. Thank you very much for joining us and uh, and and your hard work. Join our dot org. Join our dot org. Hope to have you back, Gabriel. Thank you very much. The best of the Glenn Beck program. Steven, how are you, sir? Hey, Glenn. It's so good to be with you. Yeah, how are you? Well, I'm not so good. I'm doing fine. I think the country's going to hell. Yeah, okay. But, uh, All right. Yeah. You, you want to always separate that. I don't know anybody who says fine They now. They are always like, well, in spite of everything, I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so uh, you know, and I love this title of this bill, Inflation Reduction Act. I uh, think I'm with the 86 percent of Americans who don't believe that this is going to reduce inflation. Uh, and of course, it won't. It's look, uh, you know, Glenn, you and I have known each other for, what, 25, 30 years. Yeah. And we've been, you know, voices for fiscal sanity. And I just want to let your listeners know that if you add up all of the spending and debt that we've incurred since Biden came into office, 
uh, let's see, it started with that $1.9 trillion uh, massive spending bill in the first month that Biden came in, which was basically a blue state bailout. Then they did the $1.1 trillion Green New Deal bill. Remember, that was at the mm-hmm. end of last year, which, by the way, some Republicans voted for. They're not blameless here. No, and then you had um, to, about a month ago, they passed a $200 billion corporate welfare bill for uh, Samsung and, uh, and Intel. For, and then uh, and then now we've got this $700 billion spending bill. So if my math is right, Glenn, and you just add all that up, cha-ching, 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 it's $4 trillion. It's 18 months. Listen to this. Listen to this. Steven said, he just tweeted, I love this tweet. He tweeted, Joe Biden has spent more money than the cost of the Louisiana Purchase, the Erie and Panama Canals, Intercontinental Railroad, the Interstate Highway System, the eradication of polio and smallpox, the GI Bill of Rights, the Marshall Plan, the moon landing, the human genome product uh, project, all combined. That is a staggering. And, and Glenn, adjusted for inflation. So, I mean, think about how much we're spending right now. Uh, Another way to put it is, you know, if you take uh, just for inflation, the amount of money that Biden spent in 18 months is more money or no, just about exactly the amount of money that we spent to uh, win World War Mm. Two. At least we got something. At least we won that war. Well, we have I mean, we have soldiers. You've heard about the 87,000 new IRS agents. So we got soldiers. You know, that's the thing that's making um, people angriest about this bill that I've found in the last you know week or two. Uh, 87,000 new IRS agents, by the way, um, they will be, uh, many of them will be armed. Why, why does the IRS need $10 million worth of guns, ammo, and military equipment? The IRS? I thought they were here to help us. Um, this is going to be targeting, Glenn, I'm, I'm deadly serious about this. They will use this money. They're not going to go after Bill Gates and Warren Buffett no. and Mark Zuckerberg and billionaires. They're not going to go after General Electric and General Motors and Google. Those, you know, those companies are already audited almost every day. And, and, and the billionaires have their own armies of, of tax accountants and lawyers. They're going to go after, first of all, middle-class people and small businesses. They're going to be a big target. But most importantly, I guarantee this. You heard it first on the Glenn Beck Show. They are going to weaponize the IRS, just like they've weaponized the Justice Department and the FBI. And they're going to go after people like you and me who dare challenge the Biden left wing agenda. Thank you. You know how Mike Lee introduced me the other night at a speech I was giving? Senator Mike Lee stood up and he said, "Uh, I'd like to introduce you to a man who needs no introduction. Uh, Let me just say He's never been arrested for a federal offense yet. (laughs) (laughs) Stick around, right? Yeah, I mean. They'll find something. They will. They will. You know, Glenn, I got to tell you. So you may recall that three years ago I was nominated by Donald Trump to be on the Federal Reserve Board. And um, three days after I was nominated, the New York Times, because they have their sleuth reporters, reported on the front page of the newspaper that Steve Moore can't be on the on the uh, Federal Reserve Board because he has a fifty thousand dollar tax lien. Well, which was true. I did have a fifty thousand dollar tax lien. My wife and I had been fighting the IRS for almost three years. We spent tens of thousands of dollars fighting them because we we were in the right and they were in the wrong. But. I am so sick and tired of these Democrats saying, gee, if you pay your taxes on time and you're honest, you have nothing to worry about. Yes, yeah. 
BS. We, we pay our tax on time. We, we paid the money we owed. We've contended the IRS owed us money that we overpaid our taxes, underpaid it. Anyway, I had to withdraw my nomination because you can't be, you know, on a federal board like that if you have a tax, right. excuse me, a tax lien. And you know what happened two months after that? We get a letter from the IRS saying, oh, by the way, before, the, before I tell you the end of this, I should tell you I went to two tax accountants, three tax attorneys. They all said the same thing. They said, Steve, you're right on the facts. They said, but you know what? You should probably pay it. Just pay it because you know what? Yeah. It's going to cost you more money to, to go to court and, yeah. and challenge this. Well, we said, well, screw that. We're going to we're going forward with this. And we three months after I uh, withdrew my nomination, we get a letter from the IRS and whoopsie daisy. Yeah, you're right. We made a mistake. We owe you money. We, <laughs> but uh. my point is, that 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 is so this idea that somehow this is if you pay your taxes you're going to be okay no they're going to find something and the other thing is the tax the tax code is so damn complicated I know. that nobody I, nobody knows what they owe Steven, i mean my god it's ridiculous i have to pay file taxes in 50 states okay my tax my tax thing not because i make a ton of money just because it's so damn complex is a right. novel it's a huge and i don't understand any of it and I can't tell you how many times I have said to my guys, because I know that it's a weapon, and uh, I've said to my my tax guys, look, if there's a line, I want a cavern between me and the line, okay? They will call me up and they'll say, you know, hey, what about this? What about that? And I'll be like, I don't know. Where's the line? And they're like, we don't know. Some people say that it's close to a line. Some people say there isn't any line there, that this is, you shouldn't even have to pay this. And I'm like, are those crazy people? And they're like, no, about half the office says no. About half the office says, well, I'm not, I don't know for sure. There is no right answer many times when you're doing your taxes. That's true. And and by the way, the IRS oftentimes can't answer any of your questions. Correct. And and I love this idea that they say, oh, we're going to use this money to help you, you know, do your tax. No, they're not. That's nine, only four or five percent of the money is to use to, for taxpayer assistance. Most of it is for investigations and audits. And look, if we had a simple, you know, simple tax system, I mean, I'm a flat tax guy. Just mm-hmm. make it really simple. Get rid of the deductions, the loopholes. Why do we need to give people nine thousand dollars to buy a Tesla? Especially when they're willing to wait for a year. <laughs> exactly. Why are we? Why? Why are we? You know, we have just all the. You know, you get tax credits for windmills and bull sperm and mm-hmm. blah, 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 all this stuff. Why don't we just make it really simple? Everybody pays their fair share. It doesn't take you know weeks and weeks to figure out how much tax you owe. Again, the reason that people have problems with their taxes is because they can't understand it. They don't mm. know what they owe. Right. So, Stephen. Um, uh, I don't know how much you've done on ESG, but I think this is the greatest danger to yeah. um, to the free world, not just America, but to the entire free world, free market. Um, and, you know, what their goal is, uh, you won't own anything by 2030, 2035. They say 2030, but I think that's crazy. But if that's really your goal, especially in a country like America or in the West, where ownership means something, um, we're built on ownership. The only mm-hmm. way you can do that is to impoverish a nation. Uh, and I think that's part of this IRS. It is, it is all of these things are built to impoverish us to the point to where we have to have, well, please, please help us, help us, help us. Do you agree with that? So, you know, 
You know, it's interesting because the first question I always get asked nowadays when I give a talk about, you know, Biden's ruinous agenda, and it is ruinous. I mean, I can't think of one thing that he has done right for the economy. And, and, you know, I'm proud of what we did under Trump. I was one of his senior economic advisors. We had the economy roaring. And it would be that's my frustration, Glenn. If Trump were still president today, the economy, in my opinion, would would be booming. We wouldn't be talking about a recession. Um, but, But then people always ask me, are these people doing this intentionally? <laughs> and I used to say, no, I think they're misguided. I don't think they're mendacious. But now I'm not, when I read this bill, this bill is so damaging to America. The two biggest winners from this war on American energy, and that's what this bill is. It's a war on American energy, our oil and gas and coal, which is where we get 70%. We get another 10% of nuclear. They don't like nuclear power either. So they're like 80% of the places we get our energy. If you want to destroy a country, a good way to, to destroy it is to destroy its energy supply. And who are the two biggest winners from this? That's the other thing that's so frightening to me, Glenn. Russia and the Saudi Arabia? Biggest, Russia and China. China's China. building 50 coal plants right now. Yeah. In five years, China is going to be producing five times as much coal as we are. Do you think for one minute President Xi cares about climate change? No. No, and let me go to ESG. I don't know if you heard this yesterday. Uh, half a billion dollars from Saudi Arabia was invested in the ESG funds uh, at BlackRock. Now, how wow. could BlackRock say that they are for the environment and these yeah, funds exactly. are for the environment? If it coming from Saudi Arabia, <laughs> they want I mean, to tube us. I mean, that's the only explanation, really. I mean, either they're incredible fools, which would be the benign explanation, or there's something more sinister going on here. Because I guarantee you, you know, all my young, you know, my kids' friends, they're all millennials, and oh, green energy, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you're not going to like it so much when you stick your, your charger in the socket and no power comes out. And we've already seen that, by the way, in states like California. Yeah. Look at look at what's happening in Europe, folks. Open your eyes. Europe tried green energy. It was a catastrophe. Oh, I, I, have, to, run. I have to tell you, Stephen, I think the Mountain West, uh, California, Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Utah, mm-hmm. Arizona, all of that, I think you are going to see real trouble in the coming years because they're they're not only talking about getting rid of all the coal power um the hydroelectric power is way way down just because of drought situations but they're also talking about taking the five dams off the snake river i know that's insanity there's no (laughs) yeah how will you power anything in the in the uh, west and by the way, why is the left, I mean, this is the other thing. Why is the left against hydropower? Hydropower is the ultimate uh, renewable energy. Because it's of the It's a great fish. way to get electricity. You get a lot of electric power in New York City from, from uh, Niagara Falls. Yeah. And, and yet we're not, you, they don't want that. In other words, the only forms of energy that they want to use are the ones that don't work. So maybe <laughs> right. there is something more sinister yeah. going on here. Why so, think it's nuclear power, Glenn? Uh, if you want to reduce carbon emissions to nothing... You know, Stephen, you and I have talked about you and I talked about this in 2005. Nuclear (laughs) power and hydrogen go hand in hand. Nuclear power at night can make hydrogen all night when everybody is asleep. Clean energy, 100 percent clean. Those two things. And your problem is solved. You know, there's something else. Um, 
gee, it's it's really weird that it seems like global warming and all of this uh, heat and everything else uh, stopped for a few years. And now it's starting again. Well, guess what's back in fashion again in space? The sun. Solar flares are happening again. The sun is going into high activity. It it's a cycle. And it was in activity when everybody was screaming about global warming. And then when all that stopped, the sun was in its quiet period. It's now in a very active period again, and it will be for the next few years. The cannibal solar ejection is, a, is supposed to hit Earth this week. Huge solar flare. Um, and that, you know, that brings it millions of miles closer to us. And that's why we have problems. Mass ejection. Uh, strong geomagnetic storms are uh, headed in our direction. There could be some more problems, but let's keep things into perspective, shall we? All right, Michael uh, or Stephen, um, tell me what uh, Michael Moore. Wow. Uh, <laughs> wrong Stephen, tell me uh, what you found in that that was hidden in this bill. Well, how much time you got, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> this is something like 800 pages, but um, I don't even kind of know where to start. But the um, can we start the, with this? Did the, you find on page like 683? We found um, the EPA is now authorized, has the money and the teeth to create their own ESG uh, framework for farmers. Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, I did. And I'll give you a, another one that, that I think is outrageous is that um, we found that, for example, they have $3 billion for something called environmental justice grants. Yes. You heard about that? Yeah. Now, I'll tell you what that is. It's just a payoff to all the liberal special interest groups, all the, you know, the, the, the groups that made Joe Biden's. This is graft. <laughs> this is graft. It's basically paying the people who who elected Biden money. So and that the whole bill is graft. All it does is give money to all the groups that gave Joe Biden money. Um, and I'll give you an example of that. They want to you know, they have 87,000 new IRS agents, 20 to 30 billion dollars more. They're going to spend in doubling the size of the IRS. Do you know uh, the IRS um, employees have a PAC uh, political action committee? Do you know where 99% of which party 99% of that money goes to? Yeah, Democrats. <laughs> <laughs> the Democrats. So let's get this right. They're going to give the Democrats are going to $40 billion to the IRS to hire 87,000 more agents. Those 87,000 more agents are going to give money to the political action committee of the uh, employees. And the employees are going to then give that the PAC is going to give the money back to the uh, to the um, to the uh, Democrats who who uh, who gave the money in the first place. This is like a third world country we're turning into. I know. You know, it, it really bothers me as well, um, Stephen, that that um, they've made it a whole of government action uh, to uh, sign up new voters and register new voters. So every agency is now doing it. And with the flood of money that is coming into these agencies, uh, you know, I don't know what's real and what's not anymore. Because yeah. we don't, well, I'll give you, you nobody's ask, following yeah, you it. Ask, yeah, so you, you asked me about some other weird, crazy stuff in this bill. So they, they wanted to give all this money for the electric battery industry so everybody could go out and buy electric cars. And by the way, if you have a car right now that runs on gasoline, 
you might want to hold on to that because I'm not making this up. They're, uh, my prediction is within five to ten years, they're going to abolish any new cars that are gas powered. Oh, yeah, That's, absolutely. They're, they're going to make they're going to basically not you have choice. You're not going to have any choice. You're going to have to buy an electric vehicle, whether you want to or not. And by the way, do you know what percentage of new car sales last month in the last three months were electric vehicles? No. What percentage? Five percent. So not people, 95 percent of the cars people want and are buying are not electric vehicles. People, I I don't have anything against electric vehicles, but I don't want the government telling me I have to buy one. Right. And I, I also would like to see the plan. I've talked to energy people and they're like, You put the entire fleet on electricity. We're out. (laughs)